0: Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. This Sunday Hans-Georg Hoprich continues our series through Acts by looking into chapter 21. There we see how Paul, after being gladly received by the brethren, got into trouble because of a misunderstanding due to a wrong report. How did this lead to a violent scene and how was Paul mistaken to be someone else? What can we learn from Paul's example when we have been misunderstood? Well, now here's Hans-Georg. good to be with you this morning again and we rejoice in the fellowship of god's people not only here uh, at grace church but also with many others all around the globe i'm rejoicing about the fact that um, services do start every hour 24 hours services start and worshiping the Lord, all around the globe. We've been in touch this week, um, I think twice, uh, with a little island called Mauritius. And uh, just on uh, yesterday, a sister, 32-year-old sister, was sent out by a church in Mauritius. Mauritius is a little island. Many people do spend uh, their honeymoon there. In fact, we were at uh, the seashores, where there were actually two weddings, and we get excited. But also the Lord's work is um, uh, thriving. And uh, so this week uh, we were twice uh, connected uh, over Zoom with um, this uh, little island of Mauritius. Uh, And uh, we know that uh, people do... Pray for us, uh, pray for you uh, in many, many different countries. Grace Church is um, well known in the meantime in, with many of our friends internationally, so we rejoice, and if uh, people do listen to us this morning, we welcome you wherever you are, in which country you serve the Lord. May you be encouraged together with us this morning. When misunderstandings take control, we've talked about uh, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, two weeks ago when he was misunderstood not only once. In fact, it put such a burden on him that eventually he um, burst out and, and said to the people, you know, when do you take away that load? I have an overload because you put pressure and my heart is also pressured. So how can I face that? And um, today we want to um, uh, get on uh, with that story uh, from a different angle. This time when misunderstandings take controlling. We we go into Acts 21 again, um, a couple of verses, uh, verses 17 to 39, and um, uh, it really starts great. I love that, because we've been, we hit the road so many times, and thank you, by the way, again for those who prayed three months while we we're um, on the road uh, in South Africa, uh, in, in, uh, uh, in different countries, uh, we thank you. And then the welcome in verse 70, Acts uh, 21, verse uh, 17, it uh, says, And all the believers at Jerusalem welcomed us cordially. Wow, my heart gets warm by this. Welcomed cordially. What a great thing that is to be to made welcome, welcome um, in the church family, back in uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, And so many things have happened, and now Paul has been made welcome together with. His team. <clears throat> uh, well, that's that's of course one side of it. Made welcome, but then once he was welcomed, um, some uh, difficulties arose by that. And I once heard um, somebody saying, "To be great is to be misunderstood." To be great is to be misunderstood. And I believe the Bible would agree with that kind of statement. Think of all these great Bible characters who were indeed misunderstood. There was Noah, the ark builder, whom the people... And I guess we would tend to do the same. We would call him crazy to build an ark in the midst of nowhere. There wasn't any uh, sea close by, so we we also would call him crazy, misunderstood. Remember David, the giant killer whom King Saul deemed overly ambitious. There was impulsive Moses, to whom the Hebrews said in Exodus 2.14, Are you intending to kill me as you kill the Egyptian guy? And in this row of great Bible characters, we cannot forget The visionary Joseph, who saw things nobody really saw, you know. Of whom his brothers commended uh, disdainfully in Genesis 37, 19. Here comes the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. You know, misunderstood. Greatly. Misunderstood. Certainly great people are misunderstood. And I think is just as part of <clears throat> a kind of penalty of greatness. However, may I add some significant qualities and qualifiers. It is no proof of greatness. And secondly, the final proof of greatness lies in being able to endure criticism without resentment. There is the greatness. You may be misunderstood, yes, and that happens ever so often in our lives, and I get our intention may be the best of intentions, and yet... You are misunderstood, but the greatness really is being able to endure in the midst of misunderstandings and endure criticism without resentment. Ultimately then, our reaction to misunderstanding says much more about your character than whatever action triggered it. It says more. Even, you may not open your mouth, but it says more about your godly character or non-godly character that lies behind. Through the course of our journey with Paul, we have seen him react to criticism with a grace and forbearance that illustrates really his greatness. The supreme test, however, will come in Jerusalem at the end of his third and, finally, and final missionary journey. And as we read already in Acts uh, 21, it was a, a pleasant, in Jerusalem, it was a, a very pleasant reunion, Initially, Paul's arrival in Jerusalem meets with approval and also appreciation. Doctor Luca, member of Paul's traveling party, comments in our Bible passage of today, then the next day, anxious to tell them about his most recent exploits. In Acts 17, in Acts 21, 70 to 20, we read, The brethren received us gladly, cordially, gladly. You can see the excitement. Well, our brother is back. Make him welcome. Their heart uh, broke open in pleasantness, in, uh, in excitement, uh, with joy, overjoyed his back. God looked after them even in difficulties. Isn't that great to be welcomed? Paul went, and we read that um, in uh, verse 18, in Acts uh, 21, 18, Paul went in with us to James and all the elders were present. In addition, after he had greeted them, he began to relate on one by one on the things God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they began to glorify God. And they said, you see, brother, how many thousands were among the Jews of those who have believed and they are zealous for the law. James and the elders Praise God for Paul's ministry, but in their response, they shifted slightly the focus from Gentiles, non-Jews, to the Jews. The reason for this shift becomes apparent in what they say next, verbal misinterpretation. I think we are often affected by it. Verbal misinterpretation, a wrong report. Foremost on the minds of these leaders is a rumor about Paul that has been spreading amongst Jewish Christians in the Jerusalem church and, well, what is being said These Jerusalem believers had kept the law before believing in Christ, and they had continued following it afterwards. They had circumcised their children, observed the Sabbath and the religious feast, and maintained their strict dietary code. About them, the leaders of the church say to Paul in Acts twenty one twenty one. It, it, it reads, they have been told about you that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children, not to walk according to their Customs, wow! What a misunderstanding! It is amazing! They did not look at the facts. Of course, this this, um, accusation was unfounded. He had told the Gentiles that they did not have to become Jews to be saved, and the Jerusalem council had backed that teaching. James says in agreement with the Jerusalem council in Acts 15, 19 to 20, it says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And this is repeated in today's passage in verse 25, it says, as for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed for idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The Apostle Paul had never ever bared the Jews from continuing their religious traditions after salvation. He did not proclaim that, never. In fact, he was particularly sensitive to the Jewish believers insisting that half-Jew Timothy, for instance, be circumcised as not to offend the, the Jews that he was working with. Even so these Jewish Christians had been told that Paul was reaching and teaching against the law of Moses. It says here in Acts twenty one twenty one, they had been told do you know? You know what it means to be, you know, somebody around five corners and ten thoughts. Some they have been told. You know, so many. Um, things turn around our ears and you don't even know where things do come from. They have been told. Do you know that kind of thing? You know, when you talk with somebody and, and, you know, they want to put their ear to something, I have been told. Of course, you don't say and you don't even remember who has told you, but I have been told. Do you know that kind of saying? It's very intriguing. Very intriguing. Now who in the world really told them? What was the evidence? After all, where were the witnesses? Frankly, we... Accusation were, bo- were solely based on hearsay and really pure gossip. Swarming insonation, strange accusation infested the church like bees buzzing here and there among the believers. You know how these things are said, don't you? My cousin's sister was, you know, you really can follow these kind of thoughts. My cousin's sister was in Corinth, you know. She was present. And here was a guy, by the way, do you know Paul? Oh yeah, I've heard of Paul. And he made some very strange Statement. Oh, did he? Paul, how can you call yourself a Jew? He's he's gone too far now. Did you hear the latest of Paul? The latest. Do you see how misunderstandings Grow. Now then Paul became aware of this terrible gossip, chit chat and murmur. He could have shoot shot back with fierce defense. Indeed, he had been totally misunderstood. These accusations were really unfair. These people did not know what they were talking about. There wasn't a basis for saying this. Instead, Paul exemplified, and that's where his character comes from. Paul instead exemplifies his great character by by simply listening as the leader's formulate a plan to challenge these church misconceptions. Now, what should be done? That was the big question. And what should be done? What then is to be done? That's what we read. That's a big question. They ask each other what should be done as they consider how to convince the the Jewish believers of of Paul's uh, integrity, they will certainly hear that you have come. Therefore, we read in Acts 21, 22, 25, do this that we tell you. That's what we read. We have For men who are under a vow, take them and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses in order that they may shave their heads and all will know that there is nothing to the the things which they have been told about, but that you yourself also walk orderly, keeping the law. But concerning the Gentiles who have believed we wrote, having decided that they would abstain from meat, sacrifice to idols, and from blood, and from what is strangled, and from fornication. We've said that a number of times. This suggests that these four men were poor and without benefactors. They could not complete uh, what the Bible calls a Nazarite vow, so the church leader suggest that Paul identify himself with them, assuming the expenses incident to fulfillment of the in fulfillment of the vow, which included the offering of sacrifices. The hair, probably intended to to symbolize the life of the individual, was shaved off and burned as an. Offering. That we can read about that in Numbers uh, 6, verse 18. By recommending that, Paul participated really in the custom. The elders hoped he could demonstrate his respect for the Jewish believers and by his action, really silenced all these rumors. Paul agreed to the plan, leaving out these earlier words written in uh, 1 Corinthians 9. He says, For though I am free for all men, I have made myself a slave to all that I might win the more, and to the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. So the next day, it says in Acts 21, 26, Paul took the men, purified himself along with them, went into the temple, giving notice of the completion of the days of purification until the sacrifice was offered for each one of them that's what we read in verse 26 as paul is quenching and and trying to blow out the flames of these false accusations to the Jew, christian jews a group of non christian jews begin lighting lightning even more fires while his back is turned and here it starts you see, everything gets out of control. Everything. That's what we see of rumors ever so often happening, you know. I have heard. And that stirs up people's heart. They misunderstand. And you know, when emotions come into it, it becomes a, an incredible fire that destroys about everything. There is physical mistreatment, and we can see that in this kind of violent scene in Acts 21:27, we read, "When the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, began to stir up all the multitude and laid hands on him." Wow. Those ancient Jews had been seeing their sons following decrease and diminish as thousands of their fellows from Derby to Ephesus were believing in Christ. Now filled with an incredible resentment, they long for the opportunity to violently get rid of Paul, get rid of him. It's enough. We don't like it. We don't like him. Now filled with that kind of thinking they thought the chance has come for Paul is so to speak on their lawn and soil surrounded by the most zealous Jews in the world. Let us read on on their strategy and you see that happening again and again. You see The same kind of concept, and this is a kind of an eye-opener. You know, it confirms our most (coughs) human reaction. So the first thing we see happening here is an exaggeration. Their first tactic is to exaggerate the truth. Having seized Paul, they display him before the crowd and shout Acts 21:28, "Men of Israel, come to our sight! This! This is the man who preaches all men everywhere. Can you hear the exaggeration? All men, you know, all. Breaches all men everywhere against our people and the law and this place. Well, none of these uh, accusations are based on facts and evidence. Can you follow? It's very important because it gives some practical implications on us today. Exaggeration. And then the, these, there are no facts or evidence. Yet, Temple Jews swallow the lies whole, their emotions churn and fume, and their imaginations run wild as their misunderstanding of Paul grows into the next step. Exaggeration. And then the next step, you see, it follows step by step. And it's always the same. What follows? Suspicion follows. Suspicion. Aggravating the mob. Suspicion of the apostle. (coughs) His accusers rave on Acts 21, 28, and 29. It says he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously (coughs) seen Trophimus and the Ephesians in the city with them, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. They supposed that Paul had brought Trophimus in the temple. Had they actually seen him? To do this? No, not at all. No basis on it. Not merely suspected he had because Trophimus was his friend after all. Well, that is called basing a charge on circumstantial evidence and such evidence should not really be grounds for conviction. Thank you, my dear loved one. <clears throat> the grounds of suspicious convictions, uh, evidence on nothing, circumstantial evidence. Yes, indeed, this should not be. But as a matter of fact... It was. And by the way, in very Christian circles, would you believe it? Oh, of course Grace Church uh, it never happens uh, uh, in any of our Austrian because we are so proud and it never happens in any of our churches. Well, my dear brothers and sisters, it happened in a church. May I remind you of that? And of course, what comes out of exaggeration, of suspicion, it you know, it follows an overreaction. Can you see the, the kind of development? Now, exaggeration had led to suspicion, and now suspicion almost leads to murder things become serious. Because of the the slanderous accusations, the slanderous allegations we read in Acts 21, uh, in uh, verse 30 and 32, all the city, was aroused and the people rushed together and taking hold of Paul they dragged him out in the ta- out of the temple and immediately the doors were shut and while they were seeking what did they want to do kill him kill him this is what happens kill him a report came up to the commander of the Roman cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. And at once he took along them some soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Wow, blood must have run down on his skin, maybe on his mouth. One of his teeth went, went um, inside or whatever. Slam! The doors, like the people's heart, shut tight. As the ground drives Paul's, our Paul out of the temple to an area where they can vent their rage, like a wild and furious pack of wolves rounding a rabbit, they begin tearing into Paul. Only the Roman soldiers are able to stop the madness. That is what happened. As Rome did not tolerate civil unrest in its conquered region, a riot such as this one was a sign that the commanders lacked really control. And they would have been speedily punished. Well, there is something happening, an embarrassing moment. How ironic. God using um, a Gentile commander to rescue the great apostle Paul with a crowd at arm's length, This man orders Paul to be chained and begins asking questions. Well, you can see the Inquisition starts. We read about it in uh, the uh, verses 33 to 36. We read, who is that man? What has he done? Among the crowd, some were shouting one thing and some another. And when he could not find out the facts and account of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. And when he got to the stairs, it so happened that he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people kept following behind, crying out, Away with Away! Away with him. These raging people must have reminded Paul of those who had chanted, Crucify him! Crucify! Crucify him at Jesus. Unlike Pilate, though, this Roman commander protected Paul, ordering the soldiers to. To get what a, it must have been an incredible picture, you know. They carried Paul away on their shoulders just above the clawing of this uh, incredible mob. And here is identity. Having heard only a chaotic garble of shouts from the people, the commander still was curious about this man's identity. Who is Wheezy! He thought he knew who he might be. But we read in verse 37 to 39, as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I say something to you? A little voice of Paul came about. He didn't shout at him. Do you know the seriousness of of the situation he was in? He was about to be killed. So he, you know, the kind of turmoil in your thoughts. But he said, may. You know, this soft character of him, may. May I say something to you? And he said, do you know Greek? Greek. Then you are not the Egyptian. You know, you see the kind of turmoil of thoughts that was in every people's mind. Then you no, you are not Egyptian who sometime ago stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men to the assassins out into the wilderness. You know, that was the kind of strange thought in, in you know, in, in, in this guy's mind. But Paul said, I'm a Jew of Tarsus in Cilicia, citizens of no insignificant city, and I beg you. Can you listen to these words? May I? I beg you. Such kind was a character, the godly character of Paul. May I, I beg you. By the way, the assassins were men armed with hidden masks um, and in hatred, hostility and Bitterness. They just mingled with the crowd, struck down the opponents, then pretended to call for help. What a lot of lies behind it! These kind of people were amongst the assassins. The commander had thought Paul was completely somebody else. Completely thought he's an Egyptian. Can you imagine? What a turmoil of thoughts. In fact, he thought of Paul being this Egyptian who was a Jew who proclaimed himself as a prophet. This was in his mind, you know. This was the kind of focus he put on, on Paul. You know, you can see the kind of strange things that get together in these kind of thoughts in minds of people. He gathered, you know, this um, Egyptian, by the way, he gathered a large crowd around him and he intended to lead them to Mount Olives, uh, promising at his command the walls of Jerusalem would collapse. You know, this kind of strange uh, prophecy that comes out, you know, and, and, and... The commander here had this in mind his force actually uh, was attacked by felix but the egyptian himself escaped that was the kind of story behind the whole thing the jews believed paul to be a blasphemous teacher the romans thinks think he is a dangerous (laughs) egyptian brigand you know he has some strange thoughts in his mind, so you can see the opposite kind of thinking. Yes, it is indeed amazing how misunderstandings can multiply. It's amazing. They multiply without basis. You know, they they get so strange that in the end you don't know where it came from. It is just a mixture of thoughts and crazy thinking. Despite the ridiculous allegations, though, would you believe it? Paul reacts calmly. Allow me to speak to the people. Allow me. Again, the same kind of calm Mind, allow me to speak to the people. His trust in Christ soothes any fear or frustrations. And he's able to face his enemies with open arms and uh, an open heart. That was Paul's character. God willing, in next month we shall examine Paul's word to his people. Now, for the time being, let us reflect on what we can learn from his reaction so far. And and I like to finish with that because it is kind of a very practical, you know, we want to learn something. And and I guess uh, church time on Sunday morning is a kind of a, a training session where we can learn. And I urge you to learn together with me, and I need to learn in that. So what can we, what is the application uh, of this story? Paul's experience can teach us at least three very important facts about misunderstanding. The first fact, the reality of it is in is capable. It is inescapable. Misunderstanding, you can't run away from them. They do come. And I'm not a prophet. But misunderstandings will come. Inescapable. And secondly, the reason for it is often unpredictable. We don't know what turns out how things are growing, you know. It goes in so many different directions, you know. It grows. We can't, we do not know where it goes, where it came and how it's developing. It's unpredictable. And thirdly, our reaction to it can be questionable. I guess, I mean, if you're honest, you may have found yourself this morning in a similar situation that you've, you yourself, have been in when you've been misunderstood. Okay? Think back when you've been misunderstood. In other words, even when we have the best intentions, our words and actions can and often will be misunderstood. Yes, it is inevitable. You cannot prevent it. This is because we are humans. And the source of the misunderstanding is something we can never fully anticipate. But when it comes, our reaction to it will illuminate the truth about Our, your, and my character, what is deep inside, comes out then under pressure. We might be tempted to put on a martyr's sackcloth and getting sulky. You know how little kids react? They get sulky. Have you ever seen sulky kids, you know, that throw themselves on the floor and turn them upside down, you know, and shout and do all sorts of uh, questionable, strange things they would never do in a normal situation? Um, like a kid when mum, for whatever reason, isn't ready to hand out the expected dolly or lolly. Dolly or lolly or whatever, you know, it's so sweet in my mouth, I want to have it, you know, and one thing occurs with the other and it's going up and down. We may even pull out our battle fatigues and prepare for war. But the right response is to face our accusers with a loving heart. And I'm reminded to a stage in our Uh, time in Eisenstadt when we started the church and we had two parties, you know, opposite parties, and things went from bad to worse. And in the process of rescuing the situation, you know, we were standing like this. We were Christians. We were Christian leaders. And I was in the midst. I have to confess. I hope you bear with me. I'm happy not to come back again to Grace Church if you're not happy. This is the situation. And I'm sure you've never been this. I mean, you're pure Christians. Spuddy. what about you? Pure Christ. Well, that's who we are. We stand with, not with open hands, but with fists. Yes, we are Christians. Both have been rescued from sin. Christ has died for us. And yet, we are ready for war. Wow. But the right response is to face our accusers with a loving heart and this is something I tell myself first because I see myself in a same situation. Sorry that I need to be open to you. This is how it is. Every local church except Grace Church Vienna is one of Satan's favorable seedbeds for growing a weedy crop out of misunderstandings. Is that true? Is that true? Who wants to confirm? Philip, what about you? Do you confirm that or not? You're a holy church, you know, and never, things never happened like that. You know, sorry if I confront you, because we want to learn. You know, are you ready to learn? This is the place, you know, this is where we can learn. Run a race. You need to learn. It doesn't come automatically. This is the place to learn, to be trained in. This destroyer, he tilts our thoughts like soil, mixing in a shovel full of good intention, a bag full of prejudice and few pellets of pride. Then he scatters an accusing word here, an inflammatory comment there, and waits for them to germinate. You know, that's how it grows, you know. Then he scatters these accusations word around. May I dare to give you an unrealistic or is it realistic? And I want to dig a little bit deeper now. You know, in finishing, I can do that. You can chase me out afterwards and tell me, you know, don't come ever come again. It's enough. I'm ready for that. Sorry, I'm German. I'm very blunt. Let us listen to an after-church communication in finishing. I think somebody said, we should pray for our church elder son, Peter, Daniel says to his wife, Julie, at the church picnic, you know, this is how it develops, you know, and some women and even men may find themselves in, sa- in, in, in that kind of communication. At the church picnic, I forgot the matches to start for the, uh, for the barbecue. And as I was asking around, Peter said he had some matches. Now, what would a 17-year-old boy be, do- be doing with matches? Unless he smokes. Julie finishes the accusation. It may be nothing I know, but when I was a kid, only the smokers carried matches, didn't they? Well, the next day, do you know what happened? Julie is taking on the phone, yes, mm, I can't believe it. I have always thought Peter's car is a bit flashy, and you know, Daniel thinks he's smoking too. You know, kind of strange thoughts, yet this is a kind of commun- communication. I wonder what his home-like is like. Two months later, let us listen to another chat. I feel that we, as the elder board, ought to do something. Daniel says somberly I don't like it any more than. You do, but if our elder's son is smoking marijuana and rebelling against his parents, what does that say about the father? Can you see the exact You know, it just turns in something strange, nearly unbearable. If a man cannot control his own, his own family, how can he lead the church? He isn't on vacation until next week. Now is the perfect time to call a church meeting. Get him out! From matches to marijuana, from gossip to fact, misunderstandings in their story grew into a tangled jungle of false accusations. You wouldn't say that a church is fertile, is a fertile seedbed of unfounded conclusion and gossip or would you? Have you started or passed along a rumor lately? This is a very personal question. Have you started one? If so, how can you pull it out by the roots before it grows out of control? Misunderstandings can strangle a church instead of accusations, plant a crop of encouraging words and watch your fl- your church flower. When misunderstandings cast a shadow on Paul's life, what he, how did he react? That's the lesson we can learn. And I present that lesson. It's time to learn. So the first thing... We can learn, and I'd like to finish with that, he did not retaliate, but took positive steps to clear up the misunderstandings. He did not fight back. Yes, he was beaten up, but he kept calm. You know how hard it is. Secondly, when he became aware of the misunderstanding, he did not allow his emotions to blur his judgment Rather, he listened and agreed to blend to correct the people's thinking. That was his second step. This is something we can learn. Thirdly, his attitude was not vindicative, but loving. He wanted to help the people resolve their anger and trust the Lord Jesus as he had done. He wanted to have followers of Christ. This is what Christ did on the cross. He did not retaliate. He forgave. That is the lesson. And I plead with you, let's start learning. I have my doubts whether we learn everything but let's start. I plead with you. Let's start with it. Now, today. And fourthly, he did not run from his accusers. Instead, he faced them directly. He didn't want to start yet another kind of talk behind his back, behind other people's back. No, no. He faced those people directly. What is it? Where are the grounds? And lastly, whatever the outcome, he had a settled confidence that God was in control. Wow, I like this. That's a very deep thought I want to share with you. God is in control. He's able, in all the misunderstandings, to bring out the best he can. Have you been misunderstood lately? If so, how can Paul's example guide your reactions? How can you follow his model in your own situation? when you are misunderstood. What a great lesson. I don't know whether you've put some thoughts in this, but uh, let's learn together in the fellowship of God's people when misunderstandings are coming up in our fellowship. Even when misunderstanding takes control, likes to take control, let's Put things in a practical way. Do it like Christ did. Remember Christ on the cross. I plead with you. This is what Christ did. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your example. Even though they put you on the cross, kill him! They shouted, crucify him. And yet, your love was abound. Was more than we could ever think of. Thank you for your example of love to bear, to carry, to be like God himself. Thank you that we can ask you, even in our failures, to bear with us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you go with us a second mile. That you give us the right thinking and thoughts, if we are and when we are misunderstood. Thank you for this very special time of training this morning. Thank you that you are with us even this weeks to come. That we can entrust our lives into your good hands. We praise you and worship you. You are God. You are the one who is in control, who is with us. We praise you and give you all the glory. You deserve, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.